Greetings, ladies and mandelgents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit with the author's approval. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Summer's Day Part 3 I flew out of the city hall and back into town. I was getting hungry, so I made my way over to a shop. My people were omnivorous, but we prefer fruits and insects over anything else. I was craving a magoipa, a small, sweet, watery fruit popular amongst lower-class niema like myself. It's affordable and quite tasty. I landed in front of a small stand that sold them, as well as several other kinds of affordable fruits. Hello, young one. The elder of the the shop greeted me. Would you care to see the list of our goods today? Well, I only came to purchase a magoipa. But if you have anything else, I, it sounds good, then why not? I said. Excellent. The elder said and used magic to create a shimmering image above my head. They were pictures of everything that he sold. As you could see, we have some coir seeds, if that takes your interest, as well as some maguipa seeds, that, like you mentioned. And even a supply of new last fruits from Femetuk. A small island north of Famu, the elder explained. After looking over his supply, I requested two mycoipa seeds and one nula fruit seed. He carefully used magic to pull out seeds from an assortment of bags behind his stand and move them into a small cloth pouch for me. I paid him in magical power and flew over to a small clearing nearby. Several others were doing the same as me, preparing to eat. I placed my seeds on the ground and pushed some magic into them, Quickly, they grew roots and planted themselves firmly in the dirt. Then a stalk grew up and blossomed. Within a minute, the blossom was growing my fruits. I like my maigoipa a bit firm, so I stopped before it was fully ripe. The nula was unique. Its flavor was bold and citric, but had a sweet aftertaste. It also wasn't as watery as I'd imagined that it would be, so I probably won't get it again. But it was still good. I finished my meal and started to fly away. But just as I spread my wings, someone from behind me shouted, You! Peasant! It startled me, and I looked around to see what was happening, only to discover several well-decorated nobles, the ones that I'd seen at the city hall, were glaring at me. No one was around, so I said, Now you talking to me? The three of them landed in front of me and puffed up to see bigger. An act nobles do when conversing with lower citizens to seem better. They were all taller than me and decorated with gold lace, but only the one in the middle, the shortest, was also adorned with any jewels. He had two green gems around his neck and a blue one in the center of each wing. Now, of course, we are talking to you. You are a Nyama who was named by her familiar. The one in the middle demanded angrily. I... yes... I am Suma, I said quietly. Shameful! I didn't think that peasants could fall any lower. You stole an honor reserved for nobility. It's disrespectful enough that commoners are even allowed to have names. But now they abuse the privilege by practicing naming themselves, the middle one said. Sir, I assure you, you are mistaken, I didn't. I tried to say, but was kind of... You dare speak to a noble! First you steal a name, now you interrupt me! Worst of all, you claim that 
am lying. The noble screamed and raised his wings. A ball of magic energy formed between them, and he threw it at me. It caught me square in the chest and broke several of my ribs. Ah, you will go to the Grand Duke and renounce your name, you filthy commoner, and maybe we will spare your life. The noble said proudly. I cast a spell of healing on my chest, just enough so that I could quickly fly away. I used magic to increase my speed as I flew. Over my shoulder, I heard one of the nobles scream to follow me. I couldn't think. The pain in my shoulder shot through me and slowed me down. They were gaining on me. Jake, I, I don't know what you're doing, but, but get ready to, to look as scary as possible. I shouted through the pain and turned into an alley to try and hide. I summoned Jake as quickly as I could. I summon you, Sentinel. Oh, loud, Jake said and began to appear just as the three nobles turned the corner of the alley, each with the bestial familiars. End of chapter. Part 17. Ah, loud, I said as I began to disappear. I had no time to think. The next thing I knew, I was standing in the middle of an alleyway, and Suma was standing or hiding behind me. To make matters worse, we were cornered by three larger colored nymphs and the very angry-looking beast familiars. What's going on? I asked, before feeling a sharp pain in my side, as if I'd broken a rib or something. Ah, son of a bitch! What want the crap? I yelped. Zuma, are you okay? I asked, almost instinctually. I don't know how I knew, but I could tell that the pain that I was feeling wasn't mine, but hers. I'm fine, she said, her voice filled with pain. Stupid commoner, you think your familiar will help? <laughs> if a lowly piece of trash like you could summon it, then it can't possibly be strong enough to make a difference. The shortest and most tankerated of the three nymphs said. I ignored him and asked her a question. Was it one of them that did this to you? Yes, she said between pain breaths. I felt a deep, burning rage welling up inside me, but calmed it long enough to think straight. What are these world's laws regarding this? I asked with gritted teeth. It's illegal. Nobles can't, she started to say. Shut up and stop ignoring me, you stupid corner. Nobles are higher birth, such as myself can do as we please, he said. I can't read the facial expressions of Suma's people very well yet, but I know a blowhard when I hear one. His voice stripped with entitlement, and he and his two goons were perched atop their beast familiars, sitting on them some kind of horned saddle. The familiars that they were looked very strange. The middle nymph rode on some kind of hyena creature with a dark blue fur and a bobbed tail. The one to my right, the tallest, rode in some kind of reddish-orange lizard thing that resembled a salamander. The one on my left rode a small dog-sized feline with thick white and grey fur, a tusk protrusions on its face. If I defend us, will I break some kind of law that'll get you in trouble? I asked, looking back at Suma. I wanted to make them pay, but not... It would hurt Suma afterwards. I... I don't know. Suma tried to say. You stupid familiar, don't turn your back on me. The noisy nymph shouted and I felt something hit my back. Waves of pain shot through my body. I became nauseous and felt like I suddenly developed a fever. I fell to my knees and threw up. <laughs> the nymph laughed. That's what you get for 
My fist colliding with his body stopped his posting and flung his body against the wall. He hit it with a crack and fell to the floor with a small thud. It sounded like a cracking egg, then dropping a chicken leg onto the concrete. Immediately the hyena creature lunged at me, but I had already started summoning destiny. So instead of biting me, they got a mouthful of the tip of my spear and was impaled. The other two gasped and their familiars backed up. That hurt! I said, enraged and screaming. The noble I hit didn't respond. In fact, he didn't move. I slowly and with great difficulty stood up and used my shoe to pin down half of the familiar that wasn't on the spear so that I could put it free. The creature's green blood oozed off my spear in a thick, goopy mess. The feathers on the remaining two nymphs were puffed up, making them seem as if they had doubled in size. Suma quickly flew over to the noble that I'd hit with the casting healing magic on him. Slowly, he started to groan and move again. Is he alive? I asked, trying to remain calm and not let my concern over having just knocked a noble out show my voice. He's alive, really, Suma said, her tone a mixture of annoyance and pain. The two other nymphs hadn't moved, but upon hearing that their friend was alive, their feathers just settled slightly. I couldn't think clearly. I was still in a ton of pain, so I could do his turn to the other nymphs and demand that they leave. Jake, I need help, Sue said. I turned to help her just as the other nymphs flew away, and their familiars vanished. How can I help? I asked, leaning beside him. You hit him hard. He has internal bleeding and broken bones all over his body. I could heal him, but I'm running out of magic. I already healed myself earlier, summoned you, used magic to eat and to enhance my speed in an attempt to get away, as well as a few other things. Starting to run low, Suba said. What do I need to do? I asked. Remember how I tried to take some of your life force and got knocked on my tail feathers? We're going to try that again, she said, and stopped heeding him to face me. Do it. Ma, be careful, I said. A magic circle formed around the two of us. Suma began to glow a violet aura and turned back to the nymph. This time, when she started healing him, instead of a glow from her hands, a much darker blue and almost black glow emitted. Are you okay, Suma? I'm fine. I, I didn't take a percentage. Instead, I'm letting your magic flow through me. This was the only way that I could use as much as I can handle, Suma said. Suddenly, the nymph began screaming out in pain. He cried out and thrashed around as if he was being set on fire. What's going on? I asked. I... I... I don't know. Suma shouted, confused. She stopped the healing spell, and her aura, as well as the healing glow, disappeared just after the magic circle vanished. The nymph continued to scream and shout in pain for several minutes, despite Suma's efforts to heal him time and time again. Whenever she would start the spells again and try to heal him, the screaming would resume after he calmed down. Soon, the screaming attracted the attention of several other nymphs claiming to be town gods. All of them rode Borak beasts. Stamp away from him, one of them demanded upon returning to the corner and witnessing the scene. This man needs a healer. I've been trying, but it isn't responding, she pleaded. Step away now, one of the other guards yelled. I can't. He'll die, Zuba said. I knew this wasn't going to end well, so I scooped Zuma up in my hands and held onto her as she screamed, let me go, Jake. Let me go. One of the guards went over to the nymph and examined him, lifted his wing, and then cast some kind of spell before turning back to the other guards and saying that he was dead. End of chapter.
Jake's interrogation. Sumer and I were placed under arrest and restrained with magic, but she was. I was collared and led by a chain attached to one of the gods' borax. Suma was taken into interrogated in a separate room than I was. Actually, first I think they planned to take me to a kennel, but once they realized that I could talk, they took me to a holding room of sorts. It was made of thick and tightly woven vines, and they used magic to separate them so that we could enter and leave. After about an hour of waiting, several nymphs came in and one introduced himself as investigator to Hull, while another began quietly casting a spell in the corner of the room. A magic circle formed around me, and I asked, Um, what's going on? We are going to search through your memories and watch the event from your perspective. We are doing the same for Lady Suma as well. Don't be alarmed. It won't hurt. De Hull explained. We start by asking questions, and you watch and experience your memories as you recall them. Okay. Well, what about her? My eyes pointing at the other nymph to my left, who was looking over the wooden tablet that she had brought with her. What is she doing? She will be monitoring your psyche while we ask the questions, to monitor your mental state for your safety and mental well-being, Dahal said. Although you said this wasn't going to hurt, I asked cautiously. Normally, that's true, but I'm just a safety measure, I guess you could say. We have never performed this procedure on your species before, so we want to be careful. The gnome for the tablet interjected. Exactly, Dahal confirmed. So, Mr. Sentinel, are you ready to begin? Him calling me Sentinel called me a bit off guard, but I answered him nonetheless. Um, yes. The nymph lay down the tablet, and the second larger magic circle formed around the first one. What's the first thing you remember before being summoned? Dahal asked. I was at home, then Suma. Uh, she communicated with me. She said to prepare to be summoned and to look scary. It was very loud, and she sounded scared. Dahal looked between the two nymphs, both nodded their heads, and he continued the questions. What was the first thing you saw after being summoned? Three nymphs, ah, uh, Niamba, with your beast familiars and Suma. She was hurt, madly, I said. Could you describe this Niamba? They were decorated with gold and, uh, one, uh, the one who attacked me, had jewels. They were dark-colored and arrogant, I told him. And what about their familiars? One looked like a lizard, one like a cat, and another like a hyena or a dog. With that, Dahal looked over to the two nymphs that they exchanged looks. They were probably not familiar with the animals I likened to the familiars to, but he didn't press the issue further. So after you arrived, what happened? I checked on Suma. She was hurt. One of the Niamas started screaming and then attacked me. I remember the pain I felt that magic attack hit me in the back. I remember the nausea and the fevered feeling. For a moment, it was like I was happening all over again. As I thought about it, the nymph who was monitoring my mental state looked pained and cried out before falling to the floor. The larger magic circle vanished. Dahal fluttered over to her and checked on her. Are you okay? He asked urgently. I'm fine. It just felt like I could feel his pain. Like it was happening to me, she said. I'm sorry, I didn't mean for that to happen, I said to the nymph. We didn't realize that you were still in any pain, Mr. Sentinel. We can have a healer brought to you at once, Dahal offered. No, I'm fine. I'm not in any pain. I was just remembering how bad the attack from the noble hurt, I explained. Dahal seemed worried, but took my word for it and resumed as soon as the nymph was ready to recast the spell. After you were attacked, you struck the noble. Yes, 
I hit him. But I didn't think that it was as hard as it turned out to be. I mean, he went flying, but I didn't think it would be hard enough to kill him, I said. And what happened after you hit him? Suma rushed over and tried to heal him. Also, he's familiar trying to attack me as well. I summoned Destiny, uh, that's my weapon, and it impaled itself, I said. Once again, Dahal looked over to the two nymphs for their reaction. The one monitoring my mental state stayed quiet, but the one monitoring my memories looked disturbed. Are you okay, memory seeker? I'm fine, she responded. It's just uh, gruesome. Turning back to me, Dahal asked, When Suma tried to heal the noble, what happened? She went over to him, and a glowing golden light started emitting from her. She kept it up for a while, but she said she was running out of magic because she had used a lot that day. I told them, You said the Lady Suma's magic was golden, but our guards' reports say there is blue and black. Why the disparity? The hull questioned more intensely. When she said that she was running out of magic, she started to draw on mine. She started glowing purplish, and a spell that changed color as well, I remembered. The two other nymphs confirmed that I was telling the truth. One final question... Do you believe Sumo was actually heeding the noble who attacked her? She had every reason to want him dead. Is there any doubt in your mind that maybe it wasn't a healing spell? Dahal asked. I admit, the question had crossed my mind, but I had already settled those thoughts by the time I got to the interrogation room. No, Sumo tried her best to save him, I declared. The three exchanged looks and released the spell. Thank you for your cooperation, Mr. Sentinel. If everything checks out, and you should be released by the end of the day. If you need anything, knock on the door and the guards will try and help you. But please do not attempt to leave before you are dismissed. Dahal stated before leaving with the other two. I sat in the room for a while. At one point I tried to contact Suma, but she was in the middle of an interrogation of her own so we couldn't talk. Two hours passed before Dahal came back into the room. Okay, Mr. Sentinel, your memories have been evaluated and verified. You had no intent to kill the nobleman, who has been identified as the youngest of Magistrate Kakal, and the killing has been ruled an accidental death from self-defense. For now, lead investigator Mankin has elected not to press charges, but you should expect further questions in the future. When nobles get involved, things like this get drug out. But for now, you're free to go. Thank you, I said, and Dahal led me outside where I saw Suma. I walked over to her, and she immediately flew over to my shoulder and rested her head against mine. Here is something you should know. Nyama can't cry. Not like humans. They sing when they are sad. It sounds like morning bird songs, a tweeting, whistling noise. And as soon as she landed, she began to sing. End of chapter. Sumas Interrogation Jake held on to me. I screamed and begged and ordered him to let me go, to let me keep healing the noble. But he never listened. Eventually, the guards arrested Jake and I. He was collared and like a normal familiar, and I was restrained with magic. Then, we were taken to be questioned at a nearby guard station. I waited for a long time before anyone came in, and the first time they did it was to ask about Jake. I sat alone in that room with nothing but my thoughts, I thought about the noble, about what he did to me, about how I couldn't save him. I wondered if I even tried. In the moment, it felt like I was trying, but I failed. I asked myself if I'd done something different, would it have worked? If I'd been able to channel more of Jake's magic, could I have healed him? Questions plagued my mind. 
danced in my head like a snow in a blizzard. But no matter what thoughts came out or went in, there was only a single end to it. I didn't save you. A little while later, an investigator by the name of Hull came to question me. With him was a memory seeker whose job was to watch my memories as I was being questioned. The familiar Sentinel already let us do a memory dub on him. We ask that you cooperate as well, Dahl said. Yes, I said softly. The memory seeker stood beside me and cast a spell, and Dahl began asking his questions. Can you tell us how and when you first met the nobles from the alley? I was in the meeting with the Grand Duke at the hall. He wanted to speak to me about my name and my familiar. After I left the meeting, I saw the nobles watching me. They must have followed me from City Hall because they found me after I had just finished eating. One of them called out to me. He started screaming at me and insulting me. He demanded that I go back to the Grand Duke and renounce my name, I explained. Do you know why he would choose you specifically? The Hall asked. What I mean is, uh, there are many commoners that have names. Why did he go after you? He said that uh, I didn't deserve it. He said that I practically named myself and that meant that I'd stolen the honor that belonged to nobles, I told him. Why did he say that you had named yourself? Dahl asked suspiciously. Jake, he named me before he became my familiar, I said. I didn't order it or anything. I hadn't even asked him to be my familiar. He just decided to name me. I explained. In our world, ordering someone to give you a name is a crime. Technically, it's called theft of honor. Dahl looked over at the memory seeker, and she nodded it. So, what happened after that? Dahal asked. The nobles attacked me. One of them threw a magic attack at me, and it broke a few of my ribs. I used some of my healing magic and flew away as fast as I could, I said. But they chased you? Dahal questioned. Yes. They all the way to the alley. In the panic, I summoned my familiar, Jake, I said. You've called him Jake twice now, but according to our record, your familiar's name is Sentinel. Dahal interrupted me. Yes. Sorry. When he became my familiar, I had to choose a name for him, but his name is from his world as Jake. You used a naming bond for a familiar summoning. That's rather uncommon. Normally, naming bonds are only for important things like magical items. Why use it with a familiar? He wondered. Um, that's harder to explain. I didn't actually mean to do it. When I was performing the ritual, I was forced to choose a name. I said, hoping that they didn't ask further questions about that. In truth, I had never seen a familiar bonding ritual like the kind I participated in. I still hadn't figured out what the voice was. I glanced over at the memory seeker, who at that moment looked like some mixed of confused and terrified. The hull noticed this too, but didn't say anything. They simply exchanged looks, and I wondered if they were employing some kind of thought communication spell so that they didn't need to speak in front of me. Well, anyway... You said they followed you into the alley and that you summoned your familiar. After he arrived, what happened? Adahal asked. After Jake appeared, he asked if I was okay and if we were getting into trouble if he defended us. The noble, uh, he attacked us, hit him with what I, what I think was a spell meant to attack life forces. Jake didn't have any physical injuries, but he became ill immediately. Jake hit the noble and... Uh, and... Uh, I tried to speak, but I became too overwhelmed. I was on the verge of breaking down. I was breathing quickly. My heart rate was up. My stomach was upset. I'm sorry. Can I... Can, can I have a minute? Of course, sir. 
We can take a break for a few minutes. Uh, do you need anything? Water? Food? The Hull asked, and the memory seeker stopped his spell. No, thank you. I just need to clear my head for a moment. The Hull and the seeker left the room for a few minutes, and I pulled myself together. I couldn't stop picturing in my head that noble screaming as I healed him. I broke down, crying for a while, until I was able to get myself together. A while after I finished, the Hull and the memory seeker came back in and resumed the questioning after making sure that I was alright. Your familiar hit the noble after the noble attacked him. What happened after that? The Hull said, fluttering back onto his perch. I ran over to him and I tried to heal him with magic. I trained in healing and bonding magic at school, but I was running out of energy. I asked Jenk for help, and I channeled his energy through me and used it to try and heal the noble. I, uh, I, um, I don't know what happened. I performed that spell hundreds of times. It, it always works, but, but he just started screaming, I said. I was tempted to look over at the memory seeker, but I didn't. I could guess her reaction. You say you used healing magic, but according to our autopsy, only minimal healing was performed on the noble. In fact, there is evidence of torture magic being cast on him. Every bone in his body has microfractures. His muscles were shredded, and he had a total body bruise, as if every vessel inside of his skin had ruptured. I don't know how strong your familiar is, but I find it hard to believe that a single hit from him could do that kind of damage. So why don't you explain to me how he got those injuries? Dahal snapped. No, I... I stammered out. I, I used healing magic. I, I wouldn't... I, I, I couldn't do something like that. Here's what I think, Dahal said. I think the noble attacked you, you attacks your familiar, and you get mad. Then your familiar retaliates and leaves you at the perfect opportunity for revenge. No, I didn't. I, I wouldn't. I, I just keep looking at my memories. You, you'll see. I tried to say, but he cut me off. Memory magic has been around for quite some time, Miss Suma. You could have altered your memory to make it seem like you were innocent. The hull cast a spell, opening an entrance to the room, and the memory seeker ended a spell. Ver verify the status of your memories, then make a decision for your sake. I hope that you are telling the truth, the hull said as they flew out the room. Hours passed before the hull came back. He told me that my memories had been proven genuine and that the lead interrogator of the case has decided not to press charges. I was led out of the room and was told to wait for my familiar. A few moments later, I saw him walking down the hallway. All the emotions and stress that I had been mulling over in that room came to a head, and I felt an overwhelming need to go to him. I flew over and let everything out. Jake may have been the one to hit the noble, but I was the one to fail him. In my eyes... His death was my fault. In my eyes, I killed him. End of chapter. Aftermath. After the events in the alley, I decided to stay in Suma's world for a while. I didn't feel right leaving her alone after that. I was worried about her, and in truth, I didn't want to be alone either. I couldn't stay at Suma's house. She lived halfway up a mountain but there was a lodging in town that was usable. It was meant for familiars, but the staff were helpful and used magic to make a semi-livable so that I could stay in it for a few days. Suma was having a hard time with everything. She blamed herself for the noble's death, even though I was the one who did it. I was holding together, honestly. I didn't know how to feel. I broke down a few times, but never in front of her. 
after a few days, and after getting word from the guards that the other two nobles had been in the alley had been arrested and stripped of their noble ranks, I went home for a while. I reappeared back in my apartment, my groceries still on the couch, waiting to be put away. I just stood there for a moment, in silence, waiting for something to happen. For some unknown pin to drop and signal some terrible event. But despite my feelings, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I put my groceries away and sat on my couch. I'd been through a lot. I was attacked. I killed a man, even if it was in self-defense. And I'd been interrogated by the police. I'm not a genius, but even I know that I was messed up. I needed someone to talk to about this. It couldn't be Suma. She was already dealing with enough. I decided to talk to a therapist. Obviously, I couldn't tell her everything, or I'll be institutionalized for insanity and delusions. However, if I keep this all bottled up inside, I might actually go insane, assuming that I'm not already. Fantasy birdlands and all. I searched the internet for nearby therapists and psychiatrists that deal with this type of issue, then prayed that I wasn't put on a watch list for my searches. Finally... I found one, and luckily she had an opening for tomorrow. I called my office and took a few days off, then scheduled an appointment. I didn't sleep much that night. I tossed and turned, thinking about what had happened. I did fall asleep, but woke up every few hours. After about four attempts, I decided to stay awake. I looked over at the clock, and it said 6 a.m. My appointment was at 10.45 a.m. Eventually, I left for the appointment, 45 minutes early, even though it was a 15-minute drive at most. I simply couldn't take waiting from my apartment any longer. Hello, welcome to Maxwell Private's Therapy. Do you have an appointment? The secretary asked as I walked through the double doors of the building. Yes, I have an appointment for Jake Vandal, I said. She turned on her computer and typed something. Ah, yes, 10.45 for Dr. Maxwell. You'll like her, she is very popular. She is with another patient right now. She'll be done soon, though. Please take a seat, she said as she motioned to the waiting area with seats and a table filled with magazines. I waited for a while, but was eventually called to see Dr. Maxwell. I was in the hall to the door with a plaque, then made her name on it. Right inside, the secretary said, and went back to her desk. I knocked on the door and heard her call me in. Hi, uh, Dr. Maxwell. I- I'm Jake Vandal. You're-, you're 1045, I said and walked into the room. It was nice, blue walls, a couch with a few chairs, one of which she was sitting in, and a small cabinet in the corner of the room. Ah, yes, Mr. Vandal, uh, please take a seat, she said. I sat on the couch, but decided to stay sitting up rather than lay back like I always see in the movies. So, Mr. Vandal, how have you ever been to therapy before? Um... No, this is my first time, I answered. So normally, a first session starts with what's known as an initial evaluation. So why don't we start off with a few questions so I can get a better idea of who you are and why you are here, she suggested. That sounds good, I agreed. So Mr. Vandal, why don't you tell me a bit about what brought you in today, she asked. I took a deep breath and gathered my thoughts. I had thought of a convincing lie before I came. I left most of the details unchanged. But I had to obviously leave out a few parts. A couple days ago, my friend Suma and I were attacked. End of chapter. Chapter 21. Suma's Pain. 
I reversed the summoning spell and sent Jake back to his home. He'd been staying in my world for a few days. He didn't feel that it was right to leave after what happened. He had stayed in a kennel for the sick and injured familiars, renovating it temporarily so that it would be comfortable. Actually, he convinced the owners of the kennel by paying with his own manner, an arrangement the owners were very happy to agree to. He stayed for about three days, and the owners said that he ever needed another place to stay again, that they would be happy to help. I flew home after sending Jake back, and prepared to go to sleep. I've been so tired lately. Ever since it happened, I've felt absolutely exhausted. I arrived at my home and used magic to open the entrance. I expected it to be dark, but all the lights were still on. Normally, the light braids in the last an hour or three but it had been at least five hours since I'd last been home. Jake insisted on me coming over so that he could be sure that I was alright and had eaten. I heard a clamor in the back of my home just as I closed the entrance. Oh, sweetie, a voice called from my sleeping area. My heart started pounding and my chest tightened as I shouted, Who's there? for a moment. I thought perhaps it was more nobles come to take some kind of revenge. Baby, it's me. The voice called out as my mother poked her head out from inside the canvas-off bed. My body relaxed, but my heart rate was still high. Mom, what are you doing here? I questioned. Me too, another voice called from inside the room. Dad? I asked, confused, recognizing his voice. I couldn't see myself, but I could feel my feathers standing on end, so I relaxed them and myself before asking them why they were here. Why are you here? Honey, you were attacked. Why wouldn't we be here? My mom stated. Well, yeah, but that was days ago, almost a week. By now and not then. I wondered, a bit hot under the collar. Honestly, it had been on my mind a lot since that happened. I live only three minute flight from my parents, but they hadn't been to see me. I, I know, and um, we're sorry, but uh, my mom started, but she was fumbling over her words and beginning to trail off. So my dad interrupted her. Honey, that familiar of yours here. He scares us. He's dangerous. You're a rank five healing mage. You have no business utilizing a familiar that strong. He's dangerous, and, um... That is his fault that you were attacked. My dad said to my disbelief. Jake didn't get me attacked. He saved my life. He named me, I shouted. You remember that, Suma? Don't think I haven't noticed you never use it. That's coughed right. Super. What kind of name even is that? Probably means pet in his world. Enough, the both of you. Mom interjected just before I could reply to my father. Look, um, Suma, we were just worried that you're familiar of yours. Jake, I interrupted. Right, Jake. We just think that Jake may not truly have your best interest at heart. He is so strong... You can practically feel the manner radiating off of him. That's why we think maybe he doesn't understand that you just, um... Well, not to say, uh... Look, what I'm trying to say is, um... I got her off. You're saying that I'm weak and that I can't take care of myself. No, 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 no. We aren't saying that at all. My mom started, but my dad cut her off. That is exactly what we are saying. You're a rank 5 mage, the lowest of the medium ranks, and you're a healer. Not even a combat class. You should get rid of that troublemaking monkey and get a familiar that you can actually handle, like a Zentorix hound or a- Get out! Get out right now! 
I screamed and forced the entrance open. I won't listen to this anymore. This argument over the army all over again. Just get out. Honey, please don't. My mom tried to say, go, I yelled. My parents weren't listening type, not when it came to me. Dad wrapped a wing around my arm and led her outside as she cried. I closed the entrance and just fumed for a few seconds. I flew over to my bed and just tried to calm myself down. I knew they had no right to talk about Jake, but they had no right to ridicule me. But they always have. I spent several minutes angry, but once that was gone, all that was left was sadness at a very large, very empty home. End of chapter. Chapter 22 I walked out of the therapist's office after my first session and sat in my car. She had listened to me talk about the attack, how I'd fought back and ended up killing one of my attackers, how Suma had tried to help him and blamed herself for failing to save him, and how we were interrogated. She didn't judge me, she just listened and occasionally asked a question. I told her how I felt about it, that I regretted killing him and not saving Suma or myself. She explained that what I was feeling was very common in people who survived assaults and ended up killing their attackers. She asked me why Suma blamed herself, and I explained that she was a kind of combat medic, or that she would be one once she moved to active duty. I then told her that I was going into the army with Suma. As I sat in my car, I thought about the last thing she said to me while I was walking out the door. I would like to have a conversation with the Suma woman. Well, um... I'll ask if she's available, but she might not be interested. I replied to her before heading to my car. Now, I sat thinking about what to do next. If Suma meets her, she'll have to actively meet her. But Suma's people might not have therapists. This could be good for her. And even if she agreed, Suma can't come to my world. I don't think so anyway. So, I would have to bring her to Suma's world. I don't even know how that's possible. Sure, I've taken small things like clothes and pencils and random junk that I have in my hand or my pockets at the time, but the old person is a different story. I drove home and went inside. Hey, um, Sua, I said, trying to contact her. A moment of silence passed by, and she replied, Yes, Jake. Can you summon me? I asked. There was no reply, but my body began to disappear, and soon I was standing in a small cave, barely taller than I was illuminated by small birds melded into the walls and ceiling. Where is this? I asked. This is my home, she said. The one up in the mountain? I asked, surprised. Yes, she said. Cool place. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to talk to you about something, I said, looking around the cave, trying to get a feel for it. Suma, have you ever heard of a therapist? Um, no, I don't believe I have. What is it? Some kind of weapon or spell, she said. No, it's a job. It's a person who helps people process tragedy or loss. Among other things, I've been talking to one about what happened in the alley, I explained. Suma seemed caught off guard. I I didn't realize you, uh, I just assumed uh, you, you, you seemed unbothered by everything. You never showed that it, oh, trust me, it, it bothered me. It, it still am, uh, but talking with the therapist helps, or at least I feel that it is helping. I've only had a single session, but I feel like a huge weight has been lifted while I was talking. I talked to her. I'm glad that you've been able to do that. If you need some time off to go to more sessions, then that's fine. Just let me know when you want to resume training. 
If you even want to, she started saying, but I cut her off. Stop. I'm not going anywhere, Suma. I just brought this up because she wants to talk to you. And honestly, I'm worried about you. I think you should do it, I explained. But I thought you said magic didn't exist in your world. Would it come as a shock to her to suddenly be brought here? She pointed out. Well, yes, I admitted. But I'm more worried about your mental health than I am about the consequences of my actions at the moment. I chuckled slightly. I don't know, Suma said hesitantly. Just, uh, think about it, okay? I suggested. Okay, I'll think about it, she relented. Good. Now for the other reason I wanted to come, uh, my sword and shield, I said happily. Oh, right. In all the confusion, I almost forgot. Our order is probably ready, Suma said, realizing that it had probably been done for a day or two. Suma walked over to the far side of the cave and used magic to open the wall. Okay, let's go, she said and flew into the air. I walked over to the edge of the cave and looked out of the new hole and down the several hundred foot drop of the sheer cliff. Uh, nope, I said and brought my head back in, then laid flat on my back on the ground of the cave due to the sudden feeling of dizziness. What's wrong? Suma asked, then very quickly realized and said, Oh, right, the mountain. Okay, just hang on for a moment. She then closed the cave and told me over the psychic connection that she would just fly to the metal worker's shop and summon me straight there. Good idea, I acknowledged. Wait, does that mean that you could have just summoned me from place to place the whole time? I've been walking 15 miles for the past month. Sorry, it didn't occur to me until a few days ago. Sumo apologized. It's fine, need the exercise anyway, I said. A few minutes passed, which I spent looking around Sumo's home before she told me that she had arrived with the summon bee beside her. That was fast, I said surprised. Flying is much faster than walking, she said and perched on my shoulder. We walked inside and the elderly Niamh greeted us. Ah, there you are. I was beginning to think that you had forgotten. Now I have your order all finished up and ready to go, he said and flew behind his counter. Um... Would you mind giving a poor old man a bit of a help, sir? He asked, gesturing to the large metal objects. No problem, I said, and picked up the finished sword and shield. It was a double-edged short sword, no longer than the total length of my arm, based on the medieval broadsword design. The shield was rectangular and only just a bit wider than my torso. It was twice as long. I wanted something small and nimble that I could maneuver easily and wield with only one hand each. How does it feel? It feels pretty good, I said, giving the sword a few good swings. And what about the metal wall? The elder nymph asked. The shield? I would have to test it, but it seems sturdy, I said, looking it over. I have never constructed such odd tools. But if you ever need my services again, please do not hesitate to ask. The elder sounded joyful. I guess he had fun making my stuff. I told him that we would probably be placing a few more orders, but that it might be a while. Sumo was surprised to hear that, but we waited until he had left the metal worker's shop to ask me about it. Jake, she started, what do you mean by more orders? Do you need more weapons? No, actually. What happened in the alley made me think about something else, when that noble threw the ball of magic at me. I couldn't have moved the shield to place fast enough to block it. What I need to do is have something that is always blocking attacks. I need some armor. 
End of chapter. This is a special thank you to the one, the only, the legendary Erak Hino, who has become the only Tier 6 patron. I just want to thank the T5 patrons and channel members. Bob the Dragon, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Australia the Dreamer, Trigan95, Pure Giol, Meridian117, Elysia, Jordan Buxborn, Angry Marine, Albarden Gasta, and Barky. Thank you very much. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. There are links down below, both to support this channel and for the author of this fiction. Anyways, I hope you all have a fantastic one, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.